Welcome to the Movie Planet. This week we're talking about 2012's Prometheus. With Joe. JC. And Joel. I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the Shaw and Holloway to my David, Jay and JC and Joel. I was going to say Jay and Jay. Jay and Jay. <laughs> JJ's diner over here. I'm a girl Ch-choo. again. Ch-choo. But you, at least you I, keep. I didn't call At least yet. I look good in my outfits. You, you keep do. claiming the girl. I'm just saying. I'm not saying who is who. You hey, keep doing I this. I did say before the show I'd cuddle with him, but apparently he just doesn't want me to be a girl. You are, I see how it is. You're also wearing a jersey of a girl's name. Yeah, but at least he can. Sydney. At least he can score goals. Well, there are more Sydneys that were male than female in infamy, right? Let's just say that Sidney Crosby is an American. So are you FDR there. all of a sudden? It, why not? Uh, why so? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> if you were expecting a movie podcast, today is sports and politics. So, so. Uh, Wait, this week, You had politics? I said FDR. That's history. This week, we'll be talking about the 2012 science fiction horror movie, Prometheus. We are continuing the Alien franchise by going backwards to the Ridley Scott-directed prequel. Next week, we will go to the theaters and check out Alien Covenant to complete the Alien franchise and then see where all of our grades average out to, concluding in an induction into the franchise pantheon or an exclusion. So we're watching the prequels. Well, technically, yes. Essentially. We're yeah. watching the prequels. And really we all excited. know how we feel about prequels. Well, speaking of... I like the prequels. But but speaking of prequels, this week, <laughs> speaking of which, today we are acknowledging our first induction into the franchise pantheon. Oh. Star Wars has finally made it into the franchise pantheon by it's the there. skin of its slave bikini, based on a. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Based on a ridiculous amount of data that I put together in a weird calculation. No, seriously, it was a ridiculous amount of data that he probably spent way more time on. Me and Joe would have just looked at each other, or Joel would have just looked at each other like, sure, it's in. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to make it as scientifically and mathematically sound enough to make it work. It makes it in the franchise pantheons. It is in, but we have discussed Die Hard and Jurassic Park, and those two are still on the outside of this pantheon. Missed it by percentage points. Yes, but uh, we Sons want to acknowledge Star Wars. Welcome. It right. is, I think for the three of us, we can agree. We're the addition. Let's be honest. Let's call our cards on the table or on the carpet or wherever the hell else you put your cards. But if your f- stupid mathematical formula would have not... Yes. Put Star Wars in the franchise, you know we would have changed the formula so that it did put Star well, Wars Well, we in. agreed, though, that it has to be a B or higher as a franchise. So we would have changed the agreement. That's it what gets I'm exactly a B. I'm, that's what I'm but saying. it's also something that it's tentative in that if a, the next movie comes out and it's greater, then the score goes up. That's if it's true. lower, then it could be knocked out. Oh, yeah. yeah no. I False. will say this. Rogue One, False. my grade for Rogue One... Put it at that 9.025 instead of just like a 10 or something. Hold up. 
So you are considering Rogue One part of the franchise because you have lamb blasted and promoted on this show that it is a it, it is a side off. It is not part of the Star Wars universe. A side well, chick, if you will. May I say this? Yes. Uh, without your two elevens that you gave it out of twelve, <laughs> your two A minuses, it wouldn't have made it either. Okay. <laughs> so if you want to, can eliminate it, and it won't even be in the pantheon. <laughs> No, don't do that. <laughs> but Star Wars worthy addition, I think. Uh, so, yeah. Here we go. Let's go Ridley Scott again. Am I interrupting? Thought you might be running low. Pour yourself a glass, pal. Thank you, but I'm afraid it would be wasted on me. You think we wasted our time coming here, don't you? Your question depends on me understanding. What do you hope to achieve by coming here? What we hope to achieve was to meet our makers, to get answers. Why they even made us in the first place. Why do you think your people made me? We made you because we could. Can you imagine how disappointing it would be for you to hear the same thing from your creator? <laughs> May I ask you something? Please do. How far would you go? to get what you came here all this way for, your answers. What would you be willing to do? Anything and everything. This week we are talking about 2012's Prometheus, directed by Ridley Scott, written by John Spates and Damon Lindelof, starring Numi Rapace as Elizabeth Shaw, Michael Fassbender as David, Charlize Theron as Meredith Vickers, Idris Elba as Janik, Logan Marshall-Green as Charlie Holloway, Sean Harris as Fifield, Rafe Spall as Milburn, and Guy Pierce as the goofiest casting for an old guy ever as Peter Wayland. It's a weird cast. Yeah. I, I don't understand why they did that. We can get into the... Well, was it because there was originally a scene of him as his younger self giving a TED Talk? And they want to be able to go back and forth? That's what I'm hoping that they do in the next film, is they have like a flashback of Guy Pierce to justify why they have him. Because if, if there was, it was deleted. And I don't think it was in the deleted scenes, was it? It wasn't in the deleted scenes. It was like a it was a bonus feature or something on the Blu-ray. Oh, okay. Uh, this was made for about $130 million and brought in $403.4 million. Uh, designer H.R. Giger, who worked in the original design of the Xenomorph from Alien, was brought in to assist in reverse engineering the design of the aliens in the film. Giger died of fall-related injuries in 2014, making this the last movie related to the Alien franchise that he worked on. Oh, Which, I'm kind of glad he went out on this one, because you get to see an evolution. Yeah. Uh, Ridley Scott named the film Prometheus, seeing the name aptly fit the film's themes. It's the story of creation, the gods, and the man who stood against them. In Greek mythology, the titan Prometheus was an immortal servant of the gods who stole and gave to mankind the gift of god-fire in a measurable benefit that changed the human race forever, for better and worse. It made mankind dangerous to the gods. So that's the third time we've heard that story, because we hear it like three times in the movie, too. Yeah. They... Hey, did you know that we would name Prometheus after the Titan Prometheus, because he gave us fire? Hey, wait, hold on. Let me tell you one more time. We got Prometheus <laughs> because he gave us fire from the Titans. By the way, our ship a... is named Prometheus, Prometheus, which if you didn't know where that came from... <laughs> Uh, what's your history of this movie? Uh, do you remember the first time you saw it, JC? Yes, I do. It was last summer. Uh, I have already shared this. Listen to podcast uh, number 29, 
Yeah, I, I actually don't know the number. Oh. I, just, <laughs> I, just said, I was like, wow, that was specific. I just said 29. <laughs> but it was in one of the earlier podcasts. Um, which one, I don't know, but Joe made me watch it, so I had to watch it. I, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you did. I did. Yes. I enjoyed it. Um, Joel. Joel. Now, in the past, it had only been about three days since I had last seen the movie, but this one, it's been a little bit longer. I saw it on Monday instead of uh, Wednesday. <laughs> Five days. So I'm a little more experienced with this movie than I have been with the others. Um, but I watched it with Joe here. And apparently you broke Joe's rules. None. What rules? I'll get into apparently, my movie. Apparently there's Joe. I can get into my movie rules if you wish. I, I break them every time y'all come over. It's okay. <laughs> oh, you break them? Oh, of course. You break your own rules? That's well, why we have rules. Are you allowed to, to break your own rules? <laughs> I bend them for the sake of my audience. So this is hard steel versus soft steel. I don't know what that means. Actually, no, that would be reverse. Soft steel bends, hard steel breaks. Oh, okay. Um, first time I saw this was in a theater. It was a 3D movie. It was the worst experience I ever had in a movie theater. Oh. Um, first of all, this movie in 3D is ridiculous. It's awesome. It's, it's meant to be seen in 3D. All the holograms, and I know that bothers you because you can't see in 3D. Uh well, you can, but it just bothers you, yeah. right? Um, I went about with a buddy of mine, Hargy. We sat down. We had these perfect seats right in the middle. There was nobody in the theater. And then walks in this very, very heavyset woman and her grandmother. And they sit down right next to me. All the seats in the theater, they sit down right next to me. I'm like, okay. All right, sure. Whatever. That's interesting. Yeah. My buddy Hargy sitting there laughing. The, ki- the girl, the woman, puts the tub of popcorn on her stomach. And then pulls out a, a mini fan. No. One of those handheld fans. No. And is just blowing herself with it because she's hot, eating the popcorn. That's awesome. Throughout the movie, she is not only narrating to her grandmother what's happening, she is making predictions throughout the movie about what's going to happen to her grandmother also. Oh, no. To her, her grandmother or to the characters? To the grandmother. About the characters. About the characters on the movie screen. I thought she was saying, like, I predict, Grandma, you're going to die. It's like, are you allowed to predict that? I'm like, that's kind of rude. That's but, dark. But no. Uh, but the scene where, you know, she's like, oh, I bet she's pregnant with an alien. She predicted like 15 minutes before the movie. I'm like, no. No. Stop. And then what happened? See, I told you. I knew it. I knew you were pregnant. I knew it. And so I'm sitting there just like biting my- Why did my- you not get up and move? Because we we well, those were our we picked those seats those are our seats, yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're sitting there and my buddy Hargy's laughing hysterically because he knows I'm being driven up a wall. The movie ends and I am furious. It's like I didn't even get to enjoy the film. I was just constantly focused on them because of my ADHD. Mm-hmm. The lights turn on. I get up and Hargy looks at me with a big old smile and he goes, "How was it?" And I uttered one of the rudest things I've ever uttered in my entire life, pointing the, at the woman myself, saying, "I would have enjoyed it a lot more." Had it not been for this effing C who wouldn't shut up. Oh, no. Wow. And he grabs me and goes, we got to go. I'm like, yeah, we got to go right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that was a rough movie for me. (laughs) Wow. I've never, ever said that to anybody. And she incurred my wrath. Wow. Because for two and a half hours, you talk the entire time. Oh, don't do that. Um, So that that was my bad experience there but then i saw it the next day and i was like okay now i get it i like this so yeah there you go uh synopsis of the movie courtesy of the people good people at imdb uh, imdb 
Millions of years ago, a spacecraft of an advanced humanoid alien race arrives on Earth. One of the aliens consumes a dark liquid, causing its body to disintegrate and fall into a nearby waterfall. We see its DNA break down and recombine, seeding Earth with the building blocks of life. Yay, we're engineers. Yes, and already spinning the face of a lot of religions. Yeah. I mean, really, Scott wasted no time on this one. He was like, <laughs> okay, if we're going to do this, let's do it like, from the get-go. People yep. can walk out if they wish. But the beginning of this movie is so pretty. Yeah, it's a beautiful shot. Where was it shot? It was reminded it? me of Ex Machina. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's probably where X got it. No. Probably. Yeah. This was shot, I think, in Iceland, wasn't it? I don't know. I think it was Iceland, uh, which kind of, you see this and you're kind of like, I kind of want to go and see all this now. Kind of like when we saw Lord of the Rings and everybody wanted to go to New Zealand all of a yeah. sudden. Skip forward into the year 2089 on the Isle of Skye off the shore of Scotland. I can't do a Scottish accent. Archaeologist couple Elizabeth Shaw and her boyfriend Charlie Holloway discover a star map in a cave, which they record among the remnants of several otherwise unconnected ancient cultures. They interpret this as an invitation from humanity's forerunners. Peter Wayland, the elderly founder and CEO of the Wayland Corporation, funds the creation of the scientific deep space research vessel called the USS Prometheus to follow the map to the distinct moon of LV-223, several light years from Earth. This JC, is, this is my first MacGuffin, and I think I said it before mm-hmm. that they definitely. Uh, and it still bugs me the second time. I'm like, yeah, they comment later that they convinced him to go because they want to go meet their makers. But from an archaeological standpoint, to see the pictures and then to say, oh well, it's an invitation because of the drawing. You are the worst archaeologist ever of all time. <laughs> the like only- that's so much theory and so much. There's a vocab word for it that I can't say, but it's coincidence. Like project no projecting your own thoughts. It's like I'm looking at this cup. I've seen six cur- copies of that cup because I've seen six copies of that cup. I clearly need to go see where that cup was made. Well, what? I hear what you're saying. Like, how the f- do you connect the dots to get to there? The only now, thing I is understand- that they're pointing up to the sky and they show those. But even then, when you look at a star map, it's in 3D. You, it, it, the stars change depending on the Earth, so. How do you know when they're in that exact alignment? That, honestly, that is what bothered me because we just got done teaching a unit about stars, and they move. Like, yeah. stars move over time. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you'd have to go back to the star map from when those were created, which, let's be real, the star that's like three stars next to it may have been in that position when all those ruins were initially put there. So, I know why they do it, because they need to have a reason to like leave. I get that. But... They chose to make it an archaeologist, and yes, I want, want they wanted to make it cool and all that. But it's just anybody with a basic history degree or archaeology degree was like, nobody's going to spend a trillion dollars because two people say a bunch of pictures say all of these words when you can't make a picture say all of these words. Yeah, I it it is the it's the you're right. It's the MacGuffin of this. It's what gets them going. Shark See, week. I MacGyvered the MacGuffin. <laughs> Where's your duct tape and paperclip? Yes. <laughs> Uh, that, that being said, you know, you jump into the spaceship, it just go, it goes from the cave right to the spaceship, which is, which is good because once you're to the spaceship, the rest of the movie is fine. It's just yeah. getting them started. On, I almost wish they would have, <laughs> the historian in me says, I wish they would have just cut that all out mm-hmm. and been like, Hey, we're mining again, which I know they didn't want to do that. Cause that's what the first movie was, but. And that may be why I really put that in there is because he was like, if I do it straight from the ship, it looks as though we're just filing a distress call. Which is... Alien. Yeah, that's all right. You know. 
which kind of funny because when they said that this movie was originally a reboot of the franchise, this scene may not have been there at the very beginning of this. And then That's they put it in to go, well, no, let's do a prequel. Uh, it should also be mo- uh, noticed that this is LV-223. The alien's planet was LV-426, so it's a sister moon. Yeah. So yeah. it makes sense. At least they're in the same system, if you will, of planets that the right. alien can get there. Uh the ship's crew travels in hibernation stasis at light speed while the android David stays awake at the pilot control to play basketball to monitor the entire voyage, <laughs> which is a common theme because in Resurrection, Ripley's playing basketball. Yeah, they love their hoops. Yeah. Yep. Uh, in 2093, the ship arrives in the orbit around LV-223. After being awakened from hibernation, the crew are informed of their mission to find the ancient aliens called engineers who may be the creators of the human race. They also view a holographic message from Wayland himself who tells them about his funding for the mission that he has since died. Um, how do you jump from cave paintings to that's who created us? That, that was my argument. Oh, well, that's what I was saying. I'm like, that's a huge jump to take. Okay. Like, like I, it's I, literally I, like I'm looking at, I've seen 12 pictures of this face of Joel mm-hmm. and the hideousness of it all. And then I'm like, well, because I've seen six pictures of Joel in six different places that never really interacted with each other, Joel made me. Joel yeah. is Joel is my daddy. Aw. What a sweet thought. <laughs> <laughs> I came from Joel's loins. The boy. That being said, I, I love the fact that David is learning human culture over the entire time he's on the ship. And learning from movies? No, he's watching people's dreams. Well, yeah, he does. He does. watches movies, but he also watches people's dreams, which, how creepy is that? Yeah, pretty. Yeah. It's pretty wild to see that. Uh, kind of makes you wonder how far away we are from that. It is 2089. Yeah. Some of us could potentially still be alive in 2089. I wouldn't mind jumping into your dreams and see what's going on in there. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of something I dreamed recently. Ah. Must have been good. I actually had a dream about a coworker the other day, and it wasn't like that. It was, she was <laughs> we were, and I I told her about it yesterday. And this coworker was like, she's actually shorter than me, but in the dream she was significantly taller, pointing at me and screaming at me, like just like, <laughs> like just and like that's all I remember from the dream was like you're yelling at me really loud. Why <laughs> was her voice amplified because she was so much larger? You know, it kind of it was just yelling. Okay. It was just a lot of yelling at me. Uh and I still it woke me up. I didn't know what I had done. I'm like, why am I yelling at the also the holographic mailman from we should talk about Wayland here. Okay. We see him and you see an old man in the distance because it's not up front. When they go up close, this makeup job looks awful. Well, they did also try to make it look hologrammy. Or do you mean when they will look up close when you see later in the movie? Well, I, they do a close-up of him here, but Waylon doesn't look... Why didn't they get an old man for this? And you're probably right. You said earlier why. Uh, yeah, because I think they had earlier scenes of a younger version talking, a TED talk, and essentially he's setting up he's going to change the world with his money type of thing. Yeah. This is before we started perfecting the de-aging CGI like they've done. With Kurt Russell yeah. and Guardians and all that, because if they had that at this point, I have a feeling they would have used it. I didn't think it looked terrible. No, no. I mean, to hear you both say like, "Oh, the old," I'm like, that wasn't even on my radar, and I've seen it twice now. Yeah. I didn't even think about it once. Oh, there you go. So, I, well, I think Joel's just really nitpicky, big it, jerk. Well, if you want to be, well, nitpicky, I said it too. <laughs> if you want to be nitpicky, I didn't like how when they had the hologram, 
they bring the two people up to the front and the hologram's like, oh, look at you, even though I'm pre-recorded. And then I'm going to look at you, even though I'm pre-recorded. Make eye contact. Eye contact. All right. It's your mission now. I think before they went on there, they were like assigned seats. Yeah. They definitely had to have to sit there. It only works this time. They woke up first for a dress rehearsal and then they went back to bed. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Mission director Meredith Vickers orders them to avoid any direct contact and to return if the aliens are found. The Prometheus lands near an alien structure resembling a large temple-like pyramid, and a team including Shaw, Holloway, and David explore it, while Vicar and Captain Janik remain on board the ship and monitor their progress. There's a whole lot that happens here. One is them landing. They have a great line. God does not draw in straight lines. Yeah. yeah which that is cool. Every time I hear that, I'm like, God, that's smart. How come I've ever thought of that before? And what's funny is you made the comment, like, right at the beginning, they insulted religions. But throughout the movie, when you see the flashbacks to her and her dad, he says, I believe what I want to believe. And mm-hmm. you should be allowed to believe what you want to believe. So you can't really say he's alienating religion. He's, kind, it- he's kind of saying, and even the scientist at one point will say, so we've met them, spoiler alert. Um, but who made them? Like, there's always the the next question. So it doesn't just completely dismiss religion, which no. is kind of a cool little touch. And in, in my even when I was younger, like my argument, like as a more religious person, when people say, "Oh, you can't have this and this," it's like, I mean, there's really nothing that says when the Earth was created, there was a ten fingered guy standing on a flat platform picked up some dust, put it into a snowball, threw it against a rock, and then like, oh, there's Adam. You know, it's like there's nothing that says this is exactly what it looked like. This is exactly what it looked like. So it makes you wonder, like, on day two, like, how long was that day? We're measuring it in Earth days with our current orbit. I don't know. A day for God is probably a lot longer. I was going to say, there's actually a... There's an entire archaeological book that has the seven days of creating the Earth broken down into what they would have actually been. Yeah, and so it's and so it shows you over the many years that was day one. Yeah. Many, yeah, the the problem that the religious and the scientific can the problem that they can get themselves into is that they stand for something that is vast, but their standpoints are concrete. Yes, you have to be able to have an open mind. And so like I love I like it when they say I mean obviously I don't think that there's a big I mean, what let's say very fit blue man crumble himself up into a waterfall. Do I think that that happened? No. But it is interesting to think it's like, huh, maybe just my small picture of how everything was created in the beginning might look a little bit different. But it so always from a religious standpoint, I always I'm like, huh, I like that they're challenging our thoughts. I had to mute myself. <laughs> I didn't want to jump in. I, you guys, this is this is a great. I wanted to hear your conversation. I, if I jump in, I just derail the damn thing. So, <laughs> uh, if the other thing is when they land, they take a lot of chances that are kind of egotistical. Of course, they are. They the they, whole thing is an ego trip. They land. The first thing the one guy does is take off his helmet when they get into that one room, and you're like, "No, dude, don't, no! What, what are you doing?" And I mean, David is kind of sitting there for the ride, just going, "Yeah, give it a try. What's the worst that could happen?" <laughs> I do want to know where does the animosity for Holloway come from? Because David clearly shows animosity for Holloway, and I mean, yes, he says something snide right at the beginning, but mm-hmm. then Dave, Dave, like makes a just flat out opinion to like. All right, this is the guy I'm going to guinea pig. This is the guy that I'm going to ruin his life and all this stuff. And it's just like, 
That's a lot of forethought for an android who is, is supposedly not supposed to be able to think and all that stuff. I think the first of all, he is the prototype to Ash. Yep. And just like Ash is the prototype to Bishop. And I mean, there's probably a reason why we do not see the Davids later on in the, in the movies. Uh, but it, it reminds me a lot of Star Wars when they walk into the bar and they're like, they, they, don't, they don't belong here. Get them out of here. You know, there's probably an animosity towards androids as lesser than because we created them. Yeah. And Holloway has a very, very condescending attitude towards a lot of people in this movie. He does. He's a dick. Um, which kind of makes me glad that what happens to him later on, because like, good riddance, get, get off, you know? Yeah. But there's, everybody in this movie has, it's almost like they're clinging to their own um, set of beliefs slash about, about bigger things and or smaller things to a point where nothing will work and no one will agree. Uh, the geologist and uh, the other guy get caught in there. You know, the geologist, he's all like, you know, I study rocks. It's what I do. And But then when push comes to shove, at the very end, when the snake starts flying around, he's kind of like, oh, I don't know what to do anymore. We, let's be friends. There's a lot of that back and forth going on that it's like, unless until you're in desperation mode, you're not going to do anything and nope. see anybody's side of anything. So, yeah, it, it, I don't know. You're right. David's his... his I don't understand his malevolence except for the fact that he is kind of treated like shit for like the first third of the movie. Yeah. And when they have that conversation at the billiard table, which we'll get to later, it's kind of like, okay, I'm oh, going to no. do an experiment on you and see what happens. Exa- well, no. And he flat out asked him, how far would you go? So I get why he ultimately chooses, but he had the choice before he went there. The conversation just cemented what he was going to do. Yeah. But if he had said, if he hadn't asked, answered with anything, would he have done it? That's I, my, that's yeah, my question. I don't know. Because it reminds me of in Passengers when he says, there's nothing, we don't keep any secrets between us. And the android says, okay, I'm going to breach this one thing that you've told me to keep a secret. Yeah. So maybe it's one of those situations. I don't know. Uh, they find several cylinder-like artifacts, a monolithic statue of a humanoid head, and the decapitated corpse of a giant alien thought to be one of the engineers. Other bodies are later found in the structure, and the species is presumed to be extinct. They view archive footage of a holographic in, of holographic engineers running down the corridors, reacting to a long ago emergency. Uh, this is a pretty cool idea. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot how they map the place. Oh, those cool things, my puppies. Yes. Send out my puppies. Oh, that is so cool! And then they immediately hit the 3D map up, and you can see it actually mapping everything. Yep, that was cool. Another technology I hope happens in the future. <laughs> yes. Send those down down in the, the ocean to see what's actually down there. Um, what do you think about when you walk in there and you see all these cylinders? Creepy as hell. Yeah, I didn't know what to think mm-hmm. because we're so used to seeing eggs, and so you're trying to like, so what? What are these? You yeah. Know? Unfortunately, this brings up a problem that I have with Prometheus. Prometheus does a good job of showing you things and not telling you what it is. Yeah, and you end up leaving Prometheus with more questions than when you went in. It's almost like they introduce a world to you and they give you half the story and go, okay, goodbye. Exactly. It's exactly what they did. Yeah. Um, Which is frustrating. But it's, it's also Ridley Scott. It's really, it's frustrating. It's really Scott. It, it's, it's probably one of the reasons why a lot of critics panned this movie. Uh, because, because it feels like half a movie at times. And I think a lot of people thought this is going to be like the prequel to Alien. It's going to end with Alien. And it doesn't. 
it ends far away from Alien. Yeah, apparently four yeah. movies away from Alien. After Ridley Scott said, he was like, ah, oh, three, four, I don't know how many movies I'll do. Yeah, but I don't think he was planning that at the time. I don't, I, oh. I don't know. Uh, David secretly returns a cylinder to the ship while the remaining cylinders in the chamber begin leaking a dark fluid. A rapidly approaching storm forces the crew to return to Prometheus, leaving crew members Milburn and Fifield stranded in the pyramid structure after becoming lost trying to find the way out. Shaw insists they take the engineer's head back to the ship with them, and they barely make it back alive. Human meddling starts a problem. Yep. I mean, yep. that works. And I, I mean, she flat out says it, opening the door changed the atmosphere. And can I just say, I love the fact that the one guy who had all the mapping stuff couldn't find his way back out. <laughs> I didn't catch that. That's funny. I didn't realize until watching it actually on Monday. I was like, it was his puppies. He doesn't have a machine that shows on the map. That's really funny. <laughs> but if there's any two guys you want left in there for a little bit of comedy getting lost, it's these two idiots. Yeah. Uh, and they do bring some humor to a situation, which it could be very, very s- slow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, and then they head back, and there's an immediately a, a shrapnel storm, it looks like. Uh, but bringing back the head, Joel, when they reanimated it, weren't you like, yeah, let's just, we, we had an alien species, let's meet it for the first time and start poking and prodding it. Yeah, no, it was the most <laughs> irresponsible scientific research I've ever seen in my life. I've had, I have, we recycle like coffee grounds at school more carefully than they <laughs> poked around that for an alien head. I mean, they're like, oh, what is it? I don't know. Let's take this 12-inch needle and stick it in the side of it without wearing any gloves. And they just go, Flomp. Yeah. And there's, there's no like testing on what it's made of. They have, I mean, they're, they're poking and punching around at it. And then after 10 minutes, they're like, oh, I think it's a helmet. I think it's helmet. Like they didn't know that before. They mm-hmm. didn't know to like look at it at all. <laughs> and isn't Shaw an archaeologist? Yes. How does she know all the scientific equipment? I don't know. Because isn't she the one leading the experiment? She is. She's the one in charge after Holloway dies. Yeah. Uh, in the ship, Shaw and Medic Ford analyze the engineer's head and discover that its DNA is identical to that of the human race. But upon exposure to their breathable atmosphere, the severed engineer's head decomposes rapidly and disintegrates. Like, immediately. And they're just like, oh, huh. Uh-oh. Oh, that's our bad. I guess we'll just go get another one. Hold No, hold on. It's not imme- So when they reanimate it, they that means the blood and everything starts flowing. Clearly, mm-hmm. the engineer was infected. So all of the engineers were infected, and he's running away. Because of preservation or whatever happened when that door came down... The infection stopped. Well, as soon as they reanimated the head and got the blood and everything started flowing, the re- the infection starts again. And right. so you see how fast that happened to the engineer at the very beginning of the movie. That's why the head blew up in like three seconds. That's right, because you saw the black stuff on his head moving around before they start poking and prodding. Yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, Which, they, what they did was they restarted the infection that he already had. Yeah. Which like just leads me back into maybe study it for more than five minutes before you start pumping it full of foreign juices. Or don't take it on your ship. Yeah. That also <laughs> uh, meanwhile, David investigates the cylinder and discovers a small ampule containing a small amount of black fluid. Hmm. 
already we start going side experiment, Whoa. side experiment. What does he pull it out and you see that gooey yeah. KY jelly? And he's like completely fine with it. I'm like, this is all so disgusting. And why would you be doing any of it? <laughs> you were doing like a checklist of things that you need in alien movies. You were yeah. like, okay, there's the KY jelly. <laughs> we didn't need that. Uh, the crew of Prometheus discussed the meaning of life. The android David questions why he was created by man, and Shaw questions her own existence as she is infertile and unable to create life. Uh, this is all about why are we here? Mm-hmm. And the end of this movie, when they reveal, well, when they try to reveal an ending, it leaves you with more questions like, is it meaningful what we're doing? I like the fact that she is incapable of making life. And yet, in the end, she can. You know, thanks to <laughs> impregnated uh, alien alien <laughs> Holloway, <laughs> uh, which is because you were like, "Wait, how did she get in there?" I was like, "Well, he shot his alien his his goo in there the the black goo." Oh, goo. <laughs> oh. Yeah, uh, but the mo- I think the most important conversation happens right here, and that's the conversation between Holloway and David. Yep, it is th- without this. This movie doesn't work. You need this moment so you can see the arrogance of humans and the understanding of that arrogance, thinking that it's okay by the David Android. But by the David. By the David. <laughs> by the David. <laughs> David intentionally infects Holloway with a substance he found within the ampule, hiding it in a drop of liquid on his finger and briefly dipping it into a glass of champagne. Holloway drinks to celebrate their discovery. Later, Shaw and the infected Holloway have sex. Mm-hmm. Because that's what you do when you celebrate. I can see it. Yeah, yeah. Also, that's also, gosh, I have never been in like a friendship or a relationship of any kind where someone can like call out all of your beliefs and tell them that they're trash and then you forgive them in the matter of like 45 seconds and immediately make up. That's like, that's a disagreement that people are like, no, we need to go to bed. We'll talk about this in the morning. Yeah. Because she was destroyed and then all of a sudden she's like, Ah, never mind. Let's just let's do it real quick. Well, he he kind of pushes the life thing a little hard to go. You know, anybody can create life, apparently. Yeah, like he. But then he apologized. He said, "I didn't, I didn't mean that." Yeah, here's a flower. That's what everyone immediately does. Oh no, I didn't, I didn't mean that. <laughs> uh, day okay. Later, Shaw and okay Holloway later looks in the mirror and sees his eyes are changing. They are roomy, and he sees a small silver worm-like organism behind one of his corneas. Ugh. Yeah. Not a fan of eye stuff. Not a fan. No. Spiders and eye stuff. No. There you go. Yeah. Uh, did you curl back on that one when yes. you saw the eye thing? Okay. Yeah, because when I was in elementary school, we were in guidance, and they were I'm sure they were doing some type of health lesson. They said, hey, um, and they told us a story about, you know, if you eat, like, raw food or whatever, you know, check. It can give you worms. And so they told us a story about a kid that looked in the mirror and inside of his eye, it was that exact same scene of like, oh, they found a worm in his eye. And that curses me to this day. <laughs> like waking up in the morning, like like looking and like, is it a worm or eye booger? Okay, it's just an eye booger. We're good. Yeah. But that scene was like the reenactment of all of my childhood fears of waking up and feeling finding a little thing in my eye. And it's interesting because one of the things I pointed out was that when they're walking through all the cylinders, they step on a piece of land and you see worms crawling out of it. And did they suddenly make the worms appear? The worms get to the green, the black goo, and then you and that's get where the you get stakes. the worm guy in the eye. Yep. Uh, so, so they started all of it. The big jackasses. Yep. <laughs> 
Back inside the structure, Fifield and Milburn are attacked by snake-like creatures. Uh, I this bothers me. If you see this creature, you're not gonna. Oh, she's so pretty. No, she's not. You're not petting she's this not thing. Pretty. <laughs> Scientists are weird. I mean, look back to uh, Resurrection. No, I don't have to look back because it was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the it. He's like making out with the glass when the aliens in the other room. Yeah, these guys are weird. It attacked him first, and then he gets closer, and you're like, no, 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 no. What oh. did you go to school <laughs> ever? My my thought process though was that perhaps he was looking at it as this is another species. If we act safely and gentle with it, it'll be gentle back. I mean, I guess that's a way to advocate for what he did, but it doesn't make much sense to the rest of us who are sitting there going, run. Right. So know your audience. You're in a movie, run. <laughs> yeah, know your audience. Run up the stairs. Uh Milburn is killed, and a corrosive fluid, yellow acidic blood, from one of the creatures melts Fifield's helmet, exposing him to the dark liquid leaking from the cylinders. And we get another step in the evolution. Uh, doesn't it go through his mouth? Yes, that was that was a tough one to swallow, yeah. no pun intended, but it really was. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time we had ever seen the insemination just straight through the mouth. Usually yeah. it's the face sucker, and you don't see anything. This time it was like this snake. That just goes, <laughs> yeah. Oh. And uh, yeah, each step of the, you see this alien thing, it gets closer and closer to what we expect later on. Yep. Uh, what are you guys looking up? I'm right on up. the thing. Okay. What are you looking up? I'm trying to make sure that we have enough players for our soccer game in, <laughs> in an hour. <laughs> we had a. Sc- the next morning, after the storm subsides, the Prometheus crew returns to the structure and, find, <laughs> and finds Milburn's corpse. David discovers a room containing a living engineer in stasis and a holographic star map highlighting Earth. Holloway's infection rapidly ravages his body, and he is rushed back to the ship. As he visibly deteriorates, Vickers refuses to let him aboard. When he approaches Vickers, begging her to kill him, she burns him to death with a flamethrower. Which is, she was right. She, they listened to Ripley this time. Check mark the box, flamethrower. But... I'm sur- I wanted Janik to be the Ripley. I thought Janik would be the one that was like, no, we can't, not the ship. Because then later he's the one that is like, we can't take this back to Earth regardless. Yeah. But then I say, did he have to watch what happened to Holloway for it to click in his brain and for him to realize we can't let this shit get off this planet? I agree. He, uh, Janik, I feel like Idris Elba was, he has a good role. It's not served well enough, though. No. Um. Also, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you with. The, 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 when, <laughs> this was one Stephen Stills. <laughs> they wouldn't know who this is. In 2089, 2093? Yeah. I mean, people forget who what happened 60 years ago, let alone 160 years ago. Uh, who was Louis Armstrong? It, <laughs> wasn't he the guy that walked on the pl- moon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> moon guy. Moon guy. He played a trumpet on the moon, right? Exactly. Um, the scene where David walks into the, and he sees the holographic map is really cool looking. And if you if you get the chance to see it in a re-release in 3D, it's magnificent. Uh, but I also like they pick up a flute to start it, a very Ooh, rudimentary doo-doo. tool. Yeah. To start the thing, and it's like okay, maybe that's where we got our yeah. instruments too. Uh, but the buttons are really squishy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looked like a, a Fisher Price toy. Yes, it did. <laughs> or never mind. <laughs> exactly. 
A medical scan reveals that Shaw, despite being sterile, is pregnant. Uh-oh. David subdues her. Not only that, she's three months pregnant. And oh. then he's, yeah, this next part, he blatantly says, well, we have to put you back in so we can take you back to Earth. There it is. Uh-huh. I mean, the first time I saw it, there it is, the whole, like, okay, now we're going to get the weapon back to fucking Earth again. <laughs> <laughs> yep, check the box. Check the box. Got that. Uh, David subdues her in order to return her to Earth in stasis, but she escapes and uses an automated automated medical surgery pod in Vickers' quarters to extract a horrific cephalopod-like creature from her abdomen while she is still conscious. This is awesome! <laughs> it is a great shot, but at the end, when it's holding the little cephalopod thing up, those clamps look like it's barely holding it. <laughs> so I'm the whole time when I watched it the second time, I'm like, that should squeeze, like physically, that should squeeze out of those clamps. Yeah. Like she needs to get out because those, that, that's not going to hold the thing. It's it looks very similar the to the claw that you see in the toy store. But this is an awesome, I mean, this is a great science fiction movie scene. It is. Because uh, again, one of those things where you're like, how far away from one of these machines in a hospital? Yeah. Uh, Sorry, Dad. You're losing your job. <laughs> Maybe just on a spaceship. <laughs> Wayland is found to have been in stasis aboard the ship, and it's revealed that Vickers is his daughter. Wayland explains to Shaw that he intends to ask the engineers to help him avoid his impending death. It, that, I will admit, once you get this, it all makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, and, you, and another thing is added, which is immortality. Yep. He wants to be immortal. Unfortunately, a scene that is cut out and is in the deleted scenes. Which is why his daughter hates him so much. Because mm-hmm. she's like, kings have their reign and then they die. Yeah. Right. And then doesn't David say something like, don't all children want to kill their parents? Yes. Doesn't he say? Was it David that says that? Yep. Okay. Which I never thought of before because I don't want to do that. I love my no, mom and dad. I don't want to do that either. But when you think the family that David sort of grew up around, apparently. Yeah. And he also says it to Shaw. Of all people, and then Shaw is like, I didn't. Because he yeah. he says it to Shaw. He's like, don't all children want to kill their parents? And she's like, I didn't. Yeah. And that's when Shaw was like, oh, humans aren't all the same. He misinterpreted that dream, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he'd been watching dreams for four years, and that's what he came out with. Was yeah. it? I don't. Was it that all s- children want to kill their parents, or they want their p- parents to die? Oh, it may have been all of children want their parents to die. Maybe it's that. Maybe it was that one. Yeah. Either way, no. <laughs> a mutated Fifield is discovered just outside the hangar bay and attacks and kills several crew members before being killed himself. Crouched down like a Wally droid. He looked like the, the Crab Sebastian. <laughs> sure. When he pulled himself up, I, I've watched the scene several times. I still don't know how he did it, though. Because how is he bent like that? And then get... It's like Transformer, like. I was expecting. I don't know. He looks weird anyway. He does. Um, Janik theorizes that the moon they are on was used by the engineers as a military base until they lost control of their biological weapons, namely the cylinders and the black fluid they contain. Again, this is another pet peeve of mine. The one time that they can actually explain things, it's like, where the f*** do you get that explanation from? Like, I... Okay, mm-hmm. if that makes if that's what it is, thank you for the explanation because it tells me what the hell the cylinders are. But how the f- did you figure that out? That is a huge leap right there. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, I guess it's 
theorizes, but even see what you need some proof of that, and all you yeah. got is the, this temple full of cylinders. Yeah. The remaining crew return to the structure and awaken the engineer, who is occupying what is discovered to be a spaceship, the same design as the derelict alien spaceship in Alien. Yep. The the croissant. Uh, I want a croissant. Hungry. I am. Uh, yesterday, right? Thank you for the triscuits. Oh, you're welcome. David speaks an alien language to the engineer, asking him why they made mankind and asking him to extend the life of his own creator, Wayland. The engineer responds by ripping his head out and killing Wayland and Ford. Take that as a no. Yeah, that's another thing. I'm like, wow, they really hate Americans or humans. Shaw escapes from the alien ship as it is activated by the engineer. Now, this is probably the most... the most important deleted scene because there's more to this discussion that they have with the engineer. Oh, really? Wayland says, we created David. We are gods also. He compares himself to the engineer and then the engineer looks over at David, touches him, and then rips his head off. Oh, well, that makes so much Like it's an abomination. That's so much more sense. Yeah. Why? Which, if that's out? the case, then that's why he wants to kill humans, because humans didn't turn out the way they wanted them to, us to. Yeah. Why that was cut out, I have no idea. But it, it's when you watch that scene, it's like, oh, my gosh, this is perfect. Comparison. If you went to your creator and said, look, I created a robot. See, I'm just like you. No, you are not. Yeah. Uh, the still active David... Suggest, uh, yeah, the still active David suggests the engineer is going to release the ampoule, ampules of black fluid on Earth, thus killing every living creature in the planet. <sighs> this is very representative of, you know, if you look at the Bible, the cleansing of the Earth with the story of Noah. Yep. Mm. Uh, Vic, whoa, shit. Lost my place. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, Vickers. Vickers orders Janik to return to Earth, but Shaw convinces him to stop the engineer's ship. Janik and his two surviving crewmen take off and crash the Prometheus into the engineer's ship while the Vickers, while Vickers flees in an escape pod. The disabled engineer ship crashes onto the planet, falling onto Vickers, crushing her. Sad. The Prometheus way of running. Running in the way of the ship, running towards you. Yeah, just run like run east or west. Yeah. <laughs> uh... And then I I tried I sat down and I after we watched the movie I played it in my head a couple of times as to how you could do that you had to run fast enough to get a a, a further enough di- a, a far enough distance away from the roll to be able to run sideways and not get any of the collateral damage of it literally just at an angle like just yeah. instead of running straight like have your right foot run faster than your left foot and you'll just veer off to the left you have to account for the, the rocky terrain and all that so. I don't know. I'm advocating something that doesn't belong there. Whatever. I'll shut up. <laughs> Smushed. Uh, anyways, Vickers dies. Gone. So fast. Shaw goes to the escape pod to retrieve supplies and finds that her aborted but still alive alien offspring has it's gotten a little bigger. Yeah, just a little bit. Well, they do grow up fast. Yes. The engineer survives the crash, enters the escape pod, and attacks Shaw, who releases the tentacled creature. It subdues the engineer by thrusting an ovipositor down its throat. Sick. We have a giant. <laughs> now, I Whoa. believe this is a giant face hugger. I've heard people say it's not supposed to be a face hugger, but it it's is, a giant it's face a giant hugger. Yes, face it hugger. definitely is. Um, and it, you can, that's the next step, right? The next yeah. step in the evolution right there, you get the giant face hugger, and it, it's ugly. 
Yes, it is. I like how when it gets on top of him, it's just pulsating. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, uh, it's uh, Shaw believes she's stranded on the planet until David contacts her using Wi-Fi, I guess, and tells her <laughs> that there are more of an or more of the engineer ships elsewhere on the planet. She recovers David's remains from the alien ship, and together they activate another alien engineer ship. Shaw and the remains of Android David then take off to travel to the engineer's homeworld, Paradise, which we don't really get, right? Right. I was going to say, where do we get the name Paradise yeah. from? In an attempt to understand why they created humanity and why they later attempted to destroy it. In the final shot, in the Prometheus escape pod, an alien creature, very similar to the xenomorph seen in the other alien movies, bursts out of the dying engineer's chest, and we get our final check mark in the box. Chest burster. Bam. Yep. And the movie's over. Uh, you watched the movie, JC? What'd you think after watching this film the second time? This was the first alien movie I liked. Really? I remember watching. I remember watching the first ones when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I watched them. I'm like, okay, they're all right, but I don't like. When I watched this movie, I enjoyed it. Like this movie, I enjoyed because I think people talked more. If you watch the first ones, it's like you kind of spend the whole time a wondering, wait, what did they say? Because the volume's so damn mm-hmm. soft, and also it's like, what's going on? Yeah, the first and, couple they really play with like not talking to build tone. Yeah, but. You need more. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this felt more as a story and not as much a horror. The first one was clearly a horror because it didn't have you talking as much. Yeah. Joel? I thought that it was an alien film. I think that it checked all the boxes that it needed to, <laughs> and I was keeping up as it went along. We got our face hugger. We got our flamethrower. Mm-hmm. We got a chest burst. KY jelly. Got the KY. Um, <laughs> and Pregnancy. Got pregnancy. Oh, yeah. yeah, the mama bear. Um, I... I enjoyed it. This was the this was the first one that had me just like I can't say it had me fully invested because the other ones I was on like the edge of my seat like with one and two, mm-hmm. but this is the one that made me like physically react. Okay, <laughs> you were yeah he was moving on the couch like like you were during Cubed, uh. <laughs> <laughs> JC. Yeah, well I, yeah. I liked it. Uh, the first time I didn't get to enjoy it. The second time I saw it, I loved it. Every time I watch it, I get something new out of it. There's something new that I learned. Like even talking about it, you point out some things I haven't even, paid, even know. Yeah. Uh, did the awards get it right? Academy Awards Best Visual Effects. No. Well, the winner was Life of Pi. It was up against Marvel's The Avengers, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, Snow White and the Huntsman, and Prometheus. Should have been Hobbit. What would you say, The Hobbit? Should have been The Hobbit. What do you say? Ooh, I don't know. I love the Life of Pi. Just did how beautiful the movie was shot. The Hobbit was good. Just because it's a pretty movie doesn't mean it's CGI. Well, it's no, best but visual I mean, effects. It's visual effects. Uh, they did something with the natural world that made it seem supernatural. Right. The Hobbit, but I mean, the Hobbit does yeah. so well because it goes into different worlds of the, Middle Earth. And again, having been the nerd that watches the appendices, there are people like, oh, that's CGI. No, it's not. That's what New Zealand looks like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That one's tough because The Hobbit is a beautiful, beautiful movie. But the life of Pi, I watch it purely because of the effects. I don't I, watch it for the story, really. I've actually I th- never seen it. I read the book way back when, but I've good. never seen the movie. I think visually, The Hobbit takes a lot of flack because of the sixty frames per second. I think that's what it is, or sixty frames per minute. I think it gets a lot of flack for that because it moves smoother as a picture when you look at it, and that was unsettling to a lot of people who went to see it because most movies are filmed in twenty-four frames per minute. Right. Um. For me, I, I can't say it's Snow White and the Huntsman. It, no, thank you. I can't say it's Marvel's The Avengers. I just watched it. And no. Uh, Prometheus is a niche because 
it's better in 3D. It's a th- it's 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 a 3D movie in it, at its heart. Mm. And so you can't do that. It's either Life of Pi or The Hobbit and uh I mean both both look pretty. Yeah. I think you could you couldn't have gone wrong with either one of those. Yeah. Did it I wonder if The Hobbit won later on for visual effects. Interesting to look up. Yeah. I have to look it up. Okay, what worked well in the movie for you? Favorite parts, JC. Uh, uh, yeah, this is weird because I enjoy the movie, mm-hmm. but then when I think, like, what's my favorite, I'm like, well, no, that bugged me. Well, no, that bugged me. <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoy the movie. <laughs> I like the cinematography. It's beautifully shot. Oh, my God. The, the landscapes are great. So that's really good. I like the way the engineers look. Mm-hmm. So the look of the movie is amazing. Um, the dialogue. You like the dialogue. The dialogue right? is good. I will agree there. Um, and I like that. I like Shaw. The character of Shaw is great. She's yeah. not a Ripley clone. She's not a Ripley clone. Right. Yeah, She's strong for her own reasons. And I like David. Michael Fassbender is awesome. Like, Fassbender does. So So the performance of Shaw and Fassbender or rapace and fastbender and the look the cinematography of the film it was yeah cool film joel how about you yeah i agree fastbender and just the way the movie was shot was great uh my favorite was idris elba his character i love see not enough of him. i loved him yeah. i just wanted more of him right yeah. and i love that these movies keep bringing on great ship captains you love the captains in every episode or not every episode every part of the <laughs> franchise alien episode six right yeah. <laughs> um and that's what i'm hoping we get out of danny mcbride out of the next one because yeah. you just keep getting these charismatic great guys that you cheer for and they end up being some type of hero in a way um or they die it's yeah. over man it's over was he the captain though <laughs> um <laughs> Was he? He's the captain of my heart. Yeah. <laughs> um, this movie, I love that this movie finally just like had my emotions in a pretzel. The C-section scene oh. had me like doubled over and like I was on the ground and like my face was on your couch cushions. <laughs> um, in the middle, I looked at Joe and said, I wish I knew that I needed to be cheering for the aliens the whole time. Because <laughs> if I knew from the very beginning of the franchise that the aliens were going to be my good guys and that the humans were the pieces mm-hmm. of trash then it would have changed the way I looked at the whole series. But it wasn't the humans, all of them. No. The, the engineers first, and then a couple humans. All right, but just leave the aliens alone. <laughs> Had we not poked or our ugly heads. Ma- or can you leave them alone if you made them? Did the engineers make the aliens too? I just say love the one you're with, you know? <laughs> stay, <laughs> stay, stay on your planet. I, I put down the cinematography. Again, beautiful. Uh, the CGI is markedly improved for this franchise than it was for the uh, Alien Resurrection. Uh, the evolution of the alien throughout the film I find fascinating mm-hmm. uh, and the 3D in this movie is fantastic Idris Elba great and love the one you're with yeah. <laughs> Steven Stills his accordion uh, in fact this, the, the other scene I like is really just him and Charlie's there and talking yeah and you have two great actors you know, in if, a very if you, small spot if you, if you, if you want to lay with me you just gotta ask <laughs> <laughs> I'm like my room. If I if I, w- if I wasn't married, I now want to try that. I now just want to walk up to somebody and be like, you know, if you want to have sex, you don't have to ask. Or you try it to- with your wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
That's not how that works. Okay. <laughs> JC, I know you have something here. What didn't work in the movie for you? The MacGuffins. The MacGuffins drive me nuts. Okay. The, and the leaps of faith. Mm-hmm. The MacGuffins, the leaps of faith really bug me. And the telling half of a story. The like presenting something and then by the end of the movie you're like, okay, I get why that happened, but you still didn't tell me I get why the people reacted in the story that you told, but I still don't understand why that part of the story needed to be told in the first place. Like there's I left Prometheus with more questions than I did at the beginning. Okay. At the beginning you're just like, Oh, where'd the aliens come from? How'd this get started? At the end you're like, Okay, well who the fuck are the engineers? Why did they do this? What did this happen? Why are there twenty thousand ships on the on the surface? Why did they build the place? How did the fuck did they know that it was a military installation? How do they do this? What it's like Wah Yeah. It always makes you want, want, makes you want to watch it again to see if you missed anything. Like I don't think I have. And You're right. All your questions, I have questions too. And that's the thing. I watched it the second time, way more critical. Yeah. And like was way more picky about like watching. Like, okay, did I miss something? And no, I didn't. It's just unanswered, and that bugs me. Mm-hmm. How about you, Joel? What didn't work for you? The loose ends. Okay. Um, I feel that having the movie being made in 2012, they were able to do a lot with special effects, and the special effects were great. But I do feel like they relied on the effects and kind of forgot about completing the story as a whole. Um, Maybe yeah, in terms of time crunch, they needed to spend more time on getting the effects right than telling a story. Yeah, but I mean, just the this effects were great, but sometimes you know I felt like they were relying on that shock factor. Okay. Again, the C-section scene, great. A lot of the bursting stuff was great, but I didn't like the. Th- I feel like the flamethrower was kind of enough. Okay. Yeah, like the fact that they just like show them like smashing a dude's face in yeah. with the tank. I was like, oh, I feel like you just did that to make us say, to make us think, oh, this isn't the other aliens. They're taking this one a little more gritty and seriously. Yeah. Uh, for me, running away from the ship has become the Prometheus way of running. He didn't get to talk about his deep throating. How much you like the deep throating? Did you enjoy the deep throating? Not so much. Okay. <laughs> Interaction with the alien eel is not natural. <laughs> There's no caution. Uh, the makeup on Guy Pierce bothers me. Just get an older actor, unless you have Guy Pierce in the upcoming movies and flashbacks. Um, audience for the movie, JC. Aliens fans and sci-fi fans. Yeah. At this point, do you start with this one? Like, we started with Aliens, or with Alien. Do you now start with this one? At this point? Yep. I don't, because it's unfinished. Yeah. So. I would agree. Joel, how about you? Who's the audience? The, the people that want to either get interested in Alien or if, if, if people that are already fans of Alien. I don't know if this is the one you start with because I think you have to sit through three and four to really appreciate what this is. Or two and three, whatever they're going to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm saying like you have to sit through like cubed. And <laughs> oh, like, three and four. <laughs> you need to see those first to then be like, oh, I don't know if I want to see Prometheus. Oh, thank you, Prometheus. You were not that bad. <laughs> You got to date a couple threes before you can appreciate a six. Well, maybe that's the thing. Because we watched three and four, will that skew our grades? Because it's a return to form. It feels like it's like, oh, thank God we're back to something good. Right. But maybe it's not as good as we think because we just watched three and four. True. True. Yeah. Uh, For me, it's sci-fi fans. Uh, philosophers, people who want to return to form in the first two movies in the franchise after watching the last two movies in the franchise. So we just talked about that. Movie report card. JC, teacher. Um, so the history things, there's two major MacGuffins. That's, that knocks it down to an A-. Then the 
the unfinished storytelling and things like that, that knocks it down to a B plus. And then they're giving me half. Yeah, I'm going with a B minus. Oh, wow. Okay. B minus it is. Uh, yeah. Anything else you want to add to it? I think I gave it a B before, and I'm only knocking it down one more because, again, after watching it the second time, I have even more questions than I did after watching it the first time. So the fact that I every time I watch this, mm-hmm. there's something else I feel like I don't understand. In my opinion, that's a bad thing for a movie to do. So, yeah, B minus. Fair enough. Joel? Uh, I'm going to go B. I think that the effects were an A minus. Not that they were bad. It's just that, I mean, they weren't perfect, but they were really good. They yeah. were an excellent quality of alien, of portraying everything. The I like that they're telling us how the alien is developing. I love that part of it. And so you really get to appreciate, oh, wow, in uh, the last one where you see the queen, you see all this, with the exception of those last 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> the way everything grows, you can really appreciate this movie because you're seeing it small. You're yeah. seeing it where it is. Um, but the loose ends, and maybe they'll tie Maybe they'll tie up the loose ends next week, and we'll be excited for it, and it'll all make sense, and maybe it'll bump it up to a B plus and but you can't rely on your next movie. I was going to say, now. no, we have to grade this movie so, as a movie by itself. That's why I'm giving it a B. I'm giving a, yeah, I'm giving it a B. Although it is an above average sci-fi and, movie, and I'm gonna, movie. I'm going to actually change mine to a B as well because I forgot about the whole uh, why are we here, which is that whole conversation. That's a good, I like the philosophical story that they told. So that bumps it back up. So I'm also going to go B. Okay. We're all kind of in the same spot as a standalone movie when it yeah. comes to the grade. Uh, I love this movie. Here's, it's essay time. <laughs> yeah, it is. I love this movie every time I watch it. Uh, thematically, the main question to be asked is, why are we here? It's best exemplified in the scene between Holloway and David at the billiards table. The back and forth of why we created androids is a perfect conversation in the middle of this film where the created questions its existence to the creator. The plot moves through a series of ego-driven moments, such as taking a helmet off on a new planet, thinking you'll be fine when in- interacting with a space eel with teeth, and demanding answers from a creator. It's why the engineer attacks the visitors on his ship and starts by destroying the one thing that humans have tried to create, an android. The engineers and their purposes are touched on, but more or less left for more explanation in future movies, something that many critics at the time didn't know about. The very thing we seek to understand slash believe, our origins as a species, is challenged in a very authentic way, and the film explores how different levels of belief in a higher power and or religious dogma is put to trial by some, abandoned by others, and clung to by a few when the answers are given to you in a very vague sense. Now, let's talk the alien species in this that ties the series together. Ridley Scott turns this franchise on its head when you see him choose to not make the alien this perfect organism that's always existed, but instead a byproduct of human meddling in the creation of life. Fascinating still is how Scott and his writers don't force the xenomorph into the movie. It's a secondary act happening in the background. The main focus is not on the evolution of our future alien, but why life is created and how complicated it is. The cast is pretty good, with Michael Fassbender being the standout as the android David, a morally ambiguous character who does not fall on one side or the other like evil Ash or good Bishop. I love the questions this asks and tentatively give this film an A- minus for the delivery, assuming that the answers are given in the next couple films. The deleted scenes could have been beneficial to answering some of these questions, so their deletion must be because they will eventually be answered. If not, it's a B+. 
After all, grading a movie like this is like grading The Phantom Menace after the original trilogy. You kind of need Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith to give a real honest review. That's a good point. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, so is it B, B plus or A minus? I'm giving an A minus until I see Covenant next week. And if not, it's going back down to B plus. Okay. Uh, if this movie's released on Blu-ray, would you buy it, bin it, stream it, borrow it, or forget about it, JC? Bin it. I would bin it with the, with the whole set. Okay. I wouldn't buy it. I wouldn't bin it standalone, but if I can get all of them at McKay's, plug for McKay's, uh, set his t-shirts, <laughs> then I would do that. Because I think it is definitely worth having if you want to rewatch the series. Yeah. I'm going to buy it. Uh, I'm a completionist, so I'm going to buy it. Uh, so, yeah. There you go. That's all I got time for today, Movie Planeteers. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to pass the word on to your friends about the show. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and help the show get on its feet with a four or five star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at movieplanetpod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. Special thanks to Twisterium and Sound J Music for providing our intro music and our ending music. Thanks for listening and happy movie watching. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Yes. Don't you have a big announcement? A big announcement? I do. Let me. Shit. Be like, I'm having a show with Finding Nemo. God damn. Oh, I wanted to be Dory. In West Philadelphia, born and raised. I love that guy. That's where I spent most of my days. Boom, 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 boom. This is going to be a good Just do the, the Fresh Prince rap over the Seinfeld theme. It's going to be a good show. It's starting off well. Uh, post credit scenes seem very commonplace for Marvel movies. Kevin Feige spoke about Beige. how this... Um, fuck you both. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> it's a family show, Just Starting again. <laughs> You've been holding it in. Just say it. Just do it. Who, me? What? Don't play dumb. You want it. You heard me say Feige. Just do it. Who's Feige? Who's Feige? Oh, God. Do you know who Feige is? Okay, fine. I'll go on to the next bit of news. He gets a car. Does Thor- he get a car? Thor Ragnarok news. Your boy Jeff Goldblum yeah. was interviewed with Entertainment Weekly recently and spoke about how director Taiki... I just realized something. Okay. Masters of the Universe started the post credit scene. Another reason why Masters of the Universe is awesome. There you go, Steve. Brought to you by the Honda Feige. Yes. In a beige color. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum was interviewed with Entertainment Weekly <laughs> recently. It spoke about how director Taika Waititi approached... JC, let's be real. <laughs> ...approached Goldblum for the role. When we first talk, Waititi said... <laughs> God damn it. You're going to have to mute JC anytime you talk about that director. This happened the last time when we announced that he I was I feel like it did also. No, it 100% did. <laughs> I wish you could all see this right now, but JC's head is like a strawberry. You sound like pirate podcast.
Pirate podcast. Plod class. Plod Plod class. Sir, what are you going stealing me my gold blooms? Is, it, <laughs> is botany your hobby? No, I I. Kill. Do you go to Hobby Lobby for your botany hobby? I kill a lot of plants. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a plant massacrist? Not on purpose. It's more of a plant slaughter. So you believe in plant masochism? I think so. Have you blended your DNA with something else? Well, Prometheus leads us to believe that maybe we're only like 99% of ourselves. (laughs) There you go. Look at that. Plug for Well, technically, no, we are ourselves because we are an amalgamation of two different things. See, so then we're not 100% anything. One plus two is three. Three is itself a number. It is not a one and a two separately. So 50% of one thing and 50% of another, which essentially would be 100% Equals a 100%. Huh. <laughs> when you a hundred divided by a hundred is zero is one. And zero is not it's a one. number. One hundred divided by one. <laughs> it's one. It's definitely one. <laughs> Leave the fifth grade math to the fifth grade math teachers. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I teach eighth grade now. <laughs> it's still fifth grade. Math. I like to pretend you're still on the hallway. <laughs> do you see the peaks? I I believe you do through a shirt. <gasps> Sweet. Oh, uh, Heather Lockler's still hot. Sure. Wait, she's you're still the one that said she was at her peak. She's, well, I didn't. You did. She, I, of course I did. But she's not at her peak now. <laughs> but she's still hot. I, Christ. <laughs> but the entire list is Star Wars Black 6-inch from Episode 1, Qui-Gon Jinn. Star Wars Black 6-inch, Episode 4, Darth Vader. Star Wars Black 6-inch, Episode 4, Stormtrooper. Star Wars Black 6-inch, Episode 5, Lando Calrissian. Star Wars Black, 6-inch, E6, Episode 6, Imperial Royal You're not going to read every single one of these, are you? <laughs> I was, yeah. <laughs> How many are there? Star Wars 6, Black, 6-inch, Episode 8, Cooled Beta, SD9-1, whatever the fuck SD9-1 is. Star Wars Black, 6-inch, Episode 1, Where Episode are 8. We? <laughs> <laughs> I have the actual like image. I'm reading the receipt. Gosh. <laughs> Uh, anyway, did BBA do anything that R two D two couldn't do? Mm. No. Then you didn't need them. Gave the little uh, lighter middle finger. I think that's about it. Yeah. Well, it was a no, thumbs that was up. That's a thumbs up. Uh, <laughs> well, R two would have had the middle finger. <laughs> R two would have probably would have. Yeah. Uh, you want this next one, Jay Z? Alien Covenant may get two sequels. Rewind to me. Rewind to me talking about sequel chickens hatching oh, before the... Oh, sorry. I pictured me reading this. <laughs> My fault. <laughs> sorry, I was used to writing my headlines. So Sorry, guys. <laughs> Bad radio. From now on, when we write these things, we're going to pretend as though if we can't make it, someone else can read it, and it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that would, that, would, that would help. Remi- Why rewind, don't you just read that rewind <laughs> Joel... Guys, I got this one. It's fine. Okay, Joel, go. <laughs> Can somebody get this he... man a Snuggie? Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> JC's having himself a day. Are um, you, are you, do you want me to turn the fan off? No. Uh, <laughs> just playing in your clothes. Okay. Back to us. 